to this evening's um, session of the uh, Aristotelian Society. It's a huge pleasure to welcome uh, Michael Thompson, um, who got his PhD from UCLA in 1992, and has taught or been a research um, fellow at uh, UCLA, Leipzig, and Princeton. He's currently professor at... Um, and the Hebrew University. And I'm sorry. Uh, his main interests are philosophy of mind, philosophy of action, and uh, ethics. His book, Life and Action, was published in 2008, and he describes it as an attempt to develop a form of Aristotelianism within a Fragan idea of analytic philosophy, um, a project which I know will cause the spirits to rise of many people in this room. Um, tonight he's going to speak about you and I. Yeah, well, uh, thanks very much. Um, I... Um, I'd say this, this essay um, is mostly, uh, sorry, I'm speaking from slides, and I, I, I won't apologize. Uh, sorry, it is my nature constantly to apologize, and so just ignore them when they happen. I was going to make one, uh, I'll just ignore it. Um, anyway, I'm speaking from slides, and um, um, this is mostly on a kind of quasi-logical philosophy of mind-ish kind of thing, which is actually not my uh, area of expertise, though I actually, because I do practical philosophy or ethics, I actually, I, I do hold to a kind of world domination view, which is that, I mean, if they don't give us what we want, we have to make it ourselves. So the metaphysics, the, the, the metaphysicians, fine, you know, um, but uh, it won't do. Anyway, sorry, the point is, I'm a bit out of my ordinary element, though, with this, and so I apologize for that, because there may be some ground for objecting, although I think, actually, I don't really care, because um, I just, uh, I believe that practical philosophy must begin again, in any case. Um, uh, from it, it must begin, it must produce a philosophy of mind, a metaphysics, and so forth that is its own. And so, okay, let us begin. Um, um, there will be several other curiosities. Um, now, um, I'll begin with a kind of ridiculous primer about the um, first person belief in knowledge and that sort of thing. Um, um, so, you might say, I mean, if I, um, someone, if someone, suppose that Hannah, my daughter, has a bruised nose um, right now. Uh, so this is fact. She's got a bruised nose um, um, right now. She might herself affirm any of these three propositions. Hannah has a bruised nose. That would be characteristic. I don't know why bruised doesn't sound right. But a better example. Uh, uh, um, she can predicate. Uh, she can, this fact might be expressed in, by her in any of these ways. I mean, she can use the I, which um, you know. Um, but if she if she perceives the girl, as she is likely to um, uh, in here, she can use um, what we might call a demonstrative. Or she can use her own name, and these are sort of three natural, this is a kind of simple-minded way of distinguishing ways in which um, a predicate might be attached to a, we might predicate something of something, of these, one of them is specially given to Hannah herself, I, one to anyone, that this girl is, I mean, I'm thinking naively of it as related to percept, that those who, those who can perceive her, or her present, to whom she is present, and so on, and the, the name, anyone. Um, okay, now, um, um, and we would think then of these, if she were to affirm one of these three propositions, these three sentences outwardly, if she's a, she says it like these express, though different, um, um, these express some sort of mental state, as we say, a belief or a knowledge or whatever the hell you like, um, and then how we would express, and so and here I'm just writing the three propositions, the three things she might know that would be expressed in those things. And it looks like I'm writing them the same way, right? Um, Hannah knew that she, it's because Hannah knew that she had a bruised nose that she said, for example, that Hannah has a bruised nose, or whatever. Now, um, but the thing to notice about those three, I'm just rewriting them, is that we write them in English the same way, right? It's a familiar point. I mean, um, I would, if Hannah says that Hannah has a bruised nose, that, that, that manifests her cognition that 
she has a bruised nose. And if she says, this girl has a bruised nose, we can say, Hannah, she has a bruised nose. And if Hannah said, I have a bruised nose, we'll, we'll record the, so the crucial thing is the transition from outward noises to the inner state, the inner state of the soul. Um, the inner state of the soul we characterize thusly. She, I mean, what she knows is that she has a bruised nose. I say the same damn thing in English in all three cases with this she, but it's a familiar point, philosophers love it, um, that we should uh, distinguish. Um, um, it's a feature of the English language that it doesn't, um, that it doesn't, um, 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 let's, perhaps I'll, um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I mean, for example, we can just see, I mean, this is, this is really simple-minded, but I mean, you might, um, these were possible inferences that someone could make who is, um, I mean, from the different sort of things. I mean, the natural way for Hannah to realize the proposition, to, 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 to know that Hannah has a bruised nose, right, is, is, to, is for example, to see her nose in the mirror um, when she fell down. Um, um, and and that, in that case, if you see yourself in the mirror, what in the first instance you're seeing is this, the demonstrably given person in the mirror, right? Um, um, she's got a bloody nose or a bruised nose or whatever. She's, oh my God, she's got mud on her face. That, the, first, the first judgment is this girl has mud on her face, but of course she knows this girl is Hannah. So she can, um, so I am this girl, right? Sorry, I, so what she knows is I am this girl, so she can infer I have a bruised nose and then conclude this. And sometimes they have a natural... I mean, there's a natural way of inferring here, which is different for different phenomena, right? I mean, like that you got a B plus, you know, um, on a, um, um, she might learn from a class registry, Hannah, B plus. Um, so, but that she knows she's Hannah, so she knows she received a B plus, you know, and then, I don't know, I mean, and so forth. In other words, I'm in pain when we go up dif differently. Sorry, I'm not, uh, um, one begins there with the first person, right? I mean, um, somehow my knowledge that, um, if I have, I have a toothache right now, my knowledge that Michael Thompson, has a toothache, um, begins with the thought that I have a toothache um, and is mediated by the thought that uh, I am Michael Thompson. Sorry. So these are simple-minded points. Um, now, to revert to our main um, thought here, which is, um, um, uh, <coughs> was about the different... The we're interested in the specific... Sorry, we're not that interested in it. This is preliminary. Um, we're interested in the specific form of the, 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 the difference between this sort of case and the others, right? I mean, in English, they're all recorded the same way. The state of cognition is just kind of recorded with a sort of ordinary pronoun. She had a nose that she had a bruised nose, however you put it, bloody nose. Um, and um, they're obviously different, but we don't have any way of registering, but actually many languages do. Um, um, the the, um, um, the, uh, the standard linguistics, it took me forever. I, I noticed in some philosophy, it's in Geech's paper from the 50s, that, that, you know, like in ancient Greek, they had a special pronoun for this, but it was rarely used, and I, it took forever to find out. But this is like 10 years ago, like with Google Scholar or whatever, until I hit up on the word logophoric. Then suddenly I was tied. The linguists are all about it. In any case, there are many languages, actually, that are... Uh, East, East Africa, especially, is the chosen home of the logophoric pronoun. There will be immense complex systems that would distinguish the different... The, the way in which you record someone's self... first-person belief and... and, and, and demonstrative belief and so on and so forth, but I mean, they have special pronouns. But now, the philosophers, famously, it's well known, that Geech, um, in his famous paper of the late 50s, and Cassini, I mean, he introduced this special device of kind of a intensification, it fits with language, the way you express the peculiarity of the first person knowledge that Hannah knew, that is expressed when she says, I have a bruised nose, is by this kind of doubling up. Hannah knew that she, not just that she had a bruised nose, but that she herself had a bruised nose, you put lay an emphasis on it, um, and then famously, Castaneda later introduced the mysterious she-star in philosophy. Um, Hannah knew, I mean, in the case where Hannah 
realizes that this girl has a bruised nose, but not yet that it's her, let's say. Um, what she knows is that she, period, she has a bruised nose. But when she knows that the eye thought um, that she herself, then we say, Hannah knows that she's star. I mean, it's all, it seems like, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually no philosophy in this. Well, it's very actually the best kind of philosophy in a way, but I mean, uh, in, this, in these artifices, um, best, um, um, because they, um, they were in fact recovering what is actually present in other languages and is a genuine necessity of a philosophical representation of the material. It, goes no, it doesn't take you anywhere near a doctrine of the first person, but if you don't make this trivial step of noticing that it's very different, you know, the, 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 the first person belief is itself is, is very different in form and shape in some sense. You need a different way of representing it. Um, if you don't notice that, it's all over. Um, and so, um, and in other, and, and in English, it's hard to notice. Um, and Geach and Castaneda have merely added, all they did was make our language West African. They did not, I mean, that's, so, I mean, this would not have been necessary, but then a lot of philosophies like that. I mean, take, take for example, the master Ferrega. In any case, now, um, um, now, let's consider now ways of, um, sorry, so we have this idea. Hannah believes that, she has a word of beliefs of, 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 of herself, as I would say, um, using Aristotelian jargon, Hannah believes of herself as other, that she has, that, sorry, that Hannah has a bruised nose, a bloody nose, let's say bloody nose, that's more sensible. Uh, and Martha, um, uh, uh, Martha <laughs> believes the same, the same content, Martha, they both believe it. Hannah has a bloody nose, right, well, okay. That's a very simple, the, the ordinary Freudian, as it were, this is kind of a simple-minded kind of metaphysical parsing. I'm thinking of the facts, sorry, throughout I'm thinking of the facts themselves. This is perhaps, this will be difficult, but I mean, the fact, let it be a state of affairs. Hannah believes that Hannah has a bruised nose, right? Uh, and Martha believes the same, that Hannah has a bruised, a bloody nose. Um, the, the sort of natural Freudian way of parsing, and I mentioned Evans, because he's got, I mean, a master who held this, I mean, it's, it divides this into three bits, right? There's the subject, there's a relation, this intentional relation <coughs> believes that, and then all of, at the end, there's the Freudian thought. The, um, um, the Rossellian proposition, or whatever the hell you like, right? Um, 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 in this case, but then they insist on maintaining this, this opposition throughout, right? So, I mean, when we come to the ones that you should say, I mean, the first person beliefs, the ones you might use a star with, or a, a special pronoun if you speak an East African language or something, um, but, but when Hannah believes that she herself has a bloody nose, um, and Martha, let's say, because she has one too, believes that she herself has a bloody nose, in those cases, they maintain the same kind of representation of the state of affairs as involving a subject, a thought, and this belief relation. And this has an immediate consequence emphasized by Frege, right? That I mean, that the here the she is it has a kind of indirection to it, right? So there's a kind of Frege says, right, um, um, that, that, that in the first person, um, so that Frege says that each of us is given to himself in a unique and particular way in which he is given to no one else, right? And that's the that's what's actually the that's the actual. The, the, the thought component that's under that's represented when we say that she knew that she herself had a bloody nose, not that you know this girl in the mirror did. Um, um, she's employing that special way of presenting herself, um, which no one else can grasp, as it falls um, um, right in some sense. So it's like uh, represented by this kind of ridiculous squiggle. She's got her secret eye thought and the right eye, eye a secret self concept. Only she can lay hold of it, and then Martha would have a, have a different one, like this, right? But I mean, of course, we can't ourselves. This is like, I'm like God, I'm exposing the secret thought components. Um, um, we can, this is the best we can do. We just cover it up, and um, um, I mean, McDowell holds this view still. I mean, whenever I try to argue with him, um, um, 
And he says, yes, yeah, no problem. We just, I mean, we can't, they're there. We just sort of like triangulate them or something like that. That's the purpose, you know what, um, and so on. Anyway, there's a quite different view around, though. Um, the view of Anscombe and David Lewis and um, <coughs> a number of writers, Lore, propounded it off in the set. There's a kind of history of such views. Um, Anscombe, it's interesting, I mean, um, Anscombe and Lewis have a different way of parsing, as you might say. Sorry, again, one must think of this as metaphysically. Um, um, we're talking about certain states of affairs. The state of affairs in which, you know, someone believes the first personal thing, right? I mean, um, Hannah believes that she herself is a We must not think of that as a relation between her and a proposition on the Anscombe-Lewis view. We must rather think of there as being a relation of self-ascription or affirming of oneself or something like that, which is, which is sort of like, um, 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 which then takes, in some sense, a predictive element in some sense. This is kind of rather simple. Mind. This is, I'm just mentioning this as a different view, which I think is the only way forward in the material that we're going to come to now, which is about the second, so-called second person and so forth. Um, 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 in fact, I think it's very easy to prove the truth of this view from reflection on that material. Um, but, um, um, I mean, they have, I mean, Anselm and Lewis, they differ immediately. I mean, there's this one point that they agree on, which is that the, the self-ascriptive affirmation, right, is, I mean, somehow does not involve a complete thought, but um, is as a direct relation to the predicated thing in some sense. They, they express themselves differently, Anscombe in terms of language because of the kind of world she was from, and Lewis in terms of beliefs and properties and whatever. Um, and then, of course, it differs quite widely. But um, I used, people used to say I was insane to affirm this identity, but I noticed the great Kripke has now affirmed it in public, so that was very pleasing to me. Um, um, well, it's kind of annoying, so I, I, <laughs> sorry, I don't know. Anyway, um, Kripke point out the identity. I mean, they'll try to, uh, people will, if you mention it to a Ludovician, um, it's, it's an amazing fact, I'd like to say. I'll just mention this, sorry. Um, it's an amazing fact. It tells us very much about the philosophical literature and philosophical fashion and basically the meretricious, depraved feature of the, of the existing reality, but, um, which we already knew about anyway. But what, what was the original sin? Um, um, that I mean, Anscombe's paper on the first person that I'm alluding to, he's mentioned this from the early 70s, is an evergreen topic of philosophical contempt. The proofs, the proofs by great men and small, right, um, that her doctrine is nonsense, they emerge every, it's, it's still going on, it's just never ending. There are papers every five years, there's another one, um, Evans disproved it, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, there are many interesting ones, but I mean, there's, but they, all have, they all have the basic attitude, what a moron, who could hold a view so absurd? as Anscombe's view on the first person. Meanwhile, though, the apotheosis of Lewis arose in circa 1990, and then the, the conoscento, you know, the real Ludovic, the real, you know, there is no, there is no, it's like sorry, I'm quoting uh, uh, Hegel's logic or something. It is in these I pursue alone on the decay, right, it's in, that the Ludovician system rises to the speculative height. There is no insight deeper than Lewis's astonishing idea, you know, that, um, um, that the, that the first person belief and, and all, I mean, is a self-predication in some sense, but then it's the same view, right? I mean, they're the same. I mean, I'm looking, I would like to, I would like to find a journal article, a journal, an issue of some journal where we have both side by side, you know, a new proof that Anscombe was a moron and, you know, new proof that Lewis was a master. Anyway, sorry, I will leave this. Um, um, anyway, sorry, I will leave this. Um, 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 now, so let's, let's say naively, I mean, what about the second person? I mean, um, Hannah might say about me, right? Um, Michael is a fool, or she can use a, a similar, there's a similar threefold opposition. She can say outwardly in speech, Michael is a fool, or this guy's a fool, or she can say to me, you're a fool. She so can say that only to me. And we might ask, well, she's expressing th certain thoughts or beliefs or knowledges that she has, right? Well, so we'll make the same. She, in the first, she expresses the thought that Michael's a fool. 
And the second one, that this guy, the one given to her in the senses, perhaps she doesn't know that I'm her father and she mustn't think such things yet. Um, she's just noticing the idiocy, the ambient idiocy <laughs> generating. Um, oh, again, she might say to me, you're a fool. Um, um, and then there's a the question, what the devil is she, what thought is she expressing then? What's, is there something like the first person? No. Um, um, and here, I mean, there are many such things. It's an actual thing to think. Um, I have a passage here from Richard Heck, um, which I just remember because uh, before I was thinking about these things, I, I, remember, I remember years when it came out, years of 2002, I'm thinking, um, some graduate student was reading this bit to me and thinking, that's got to be wrong. We were sort of agreeing on various counterexamples, you know. And, so, uh, and then when I, but then as so often happens, once I got to it myself, I realized uh, something more. But anyways, he says, um, basically what he's saying here, let's, I'm just going to read the text. Um, basically what he's saying is, um, is that I exists in language, I, je, whatever. There's this linguistic f device of the first person in language, as we all know, and then there's also first person I belief, right? The, in the soul, in the deep, in the deeps, on the surface of things, in the noise, in the garbage, right? In the sea, in the, in the hurly-burly of life, there's the I, je, whatever. Um, but also in the secret depths of the soul, there is the first person as well. Whereas, by contrast, you, the second person, right, exists on the surface, outside, in language, in the noise, in the outward show of things, right? But in the soul, there is nothing, right? Um, um, there's nothing there, right? It's a third-person belief that you're expressing, or something like that. I mean, then he goes, sort of characterizes how you think. There is no such thing as a second-person belief, a second-person knowledge, as there are first and second, first-person beliefs and first-person <coughs> self-knowledge and so forth, right? Now, that's the view. Um, and we were trying to make counterexamples to this. And actually, there are sort of counterexamples if you keep studying. But the truth is, what I later realized, this is the God's truth. Um, he's exactly right. The problem is, um, uh, the problem is that he was thinking about um, propositional attitudes, as you might say, that is say subjects, that is say predications about a single soul. Um, um, so to speak, a single person, right? I mean, the letter is, the letter is right with the spirit right, um, 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 is lacking. Um, I mean, the, the states of individuals, these, these cognitive states of individuals, X knows, X believes, and, um, X is afraid, and so on and so forth, right, they can only, they can either have a, you know, a complete Freudian proposition as their content, perhaps reduced in the way of Lewis, if you like that view, or they can be, um, or they can be first personal in character, these, these, these uh, to know, to believe, these things can be like that, right? I mean, um, but the spirit of it is wrong, um, I'm thinking because he, uh, he's thinking, oh, so the second person just belongs to language and the noise, right? Um, but actually, what, what, the, 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 the sorts of states of, so let, again, we're thinking of the states of affairs. This is a rather funny way of talking, but I'm thinking of the state of affairs. You know, Jones believes that he himself is thus, right? That's a first-person belief of Jones. The claim is, and he, there's a third person. Jones believes that Smith is a fool. That's a third-person belief of Jones in his soul, right? There's no such thing we're saying as a second-person belief in Jones. But I mean, the thing is, um, that's a state of affairs with a subject, um, a verb, as we might say, and then, as it were, propositional material, intentional material in some sense, right? I mean, uh, uh, let's say. And what, 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 what heck for God is that there are plenty of cases where we say we have a relation between agents. Two people are mentioned. Uh, um, we have a state of affairs in which there's two subjects, a verb, and then an intentional context, as we say, um, to use the fancy jargon, um, at the end, right? And those are the ones, and the, these are states of affairs that occur in reality, in re, irrespective of any representation, you know, with U's and I's and so on. Um, and those are the ones that I want to say um, can exhibit um, 
the, um, this funny second personal character. Although, in fact, I think, I, mean, I don't know if I'll have time, but, um, but um, in fact, um, it's a feature of the view I'll propound that the first and second person are the same um, it's to, um, um, in a certain sense. I mentioned this, I, I once called this essay, uh, the second person is the first person. But I say the form of pro the pronoun is, in some, that's one way of putting it, the, the pronoun that we're expressing is the same. Um, and what it's doing is the same in some sense. Um, uh, I once had the title, the second person is the first person as the title of this doctrine. And I mentioned this to one of my colleagues who was, but I'd forgotten his piety. And he said, oh, Michael, I'm so glad you've come around. The second per person is the first person. I'm so glad we've come around to Trinitarian positions. So, <laughs> um, in any case, um, okay, now, um, anyway, so, so, We'll see. So I'm just, oh, I want you to, it's very obvious, we're also at the end of a propositional attitude, right? This is a predication, an attribute of an individual with this funny, but now we look at, if we look at the attribute that I'm coming under, right, it's got this funny, he, then he freaks out over what's in it, rightly, as philosophers have for a decade, but there's relations between agents, all of, millions of them, that involve the same. The one that I will come to later on is, not because it's particularly interesting to me, is informing X informed Y that P, or learn from, I mean, um, which is the reciprocal. I mean, Frege, like Aristotle, as Aristotle says, to learn, X learns from Y that P is the same as X informed, uh, Y informed X that P. They're the same, but what it is for them to be is it's different. Um, propositional learning, sort of, I'm thinking of though, so to speak. I mean, learning just from someone telling you. In any case, um, but I'm more interested in quite different ones, but um, there are many such relations. So let's now, um, we'll now stop. Let's begin again. That was all sort of preliminary. Let's begin again with certain states of affairs, um, which are, as we're not in the, not in the mind or in, in two minds or whatever the hell, but just kind of actions that people engage in, which involve two, like, um, um, which we might call social in some sense. I won't give any definition. Um, and these are, I think, the, the real purpose of my interest in this, which has to do with, the, so I should say, my, my interest in this topic has to do with the phenomenon of justice, which is to say the form of dependence of my action on the representation of another. How does another person figure in my, sorry, I'm imagining I'm just for the moment. I forget that. Um, <clears throat> how, how, uh, the, the just agent is, is, the just agent is distinctive by the special dependence of his action on the, another. Justice is the virtue that is pros-heteron, or pros-alon, as, as Aristotle says. Um, this seems like a triviality, but actually, um, <laughs> I'm thinking it's not. Um, so how does the other come in? And there's various ways, I think, which you can bring the other in that are a mess. And, and this is what's brought me to this catastrophic this is what's brought me, my friends, to this, to this, 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 uh, do you have a, can you spare a dime? I don't know, whatever. This, sorry, it's, this, it's, the, it's the inquiry, into, it's the inquiry into, the, into the form of motivation of the just agent, what I call the just man, whatever, woman, whatever, that has brought me to this in any case, because I think it involves, it's the phenomenon itself, you know. She did it because she promised Meredith that she would, right? Martha did A because she promised Meredith that she would, or Martha's getting out the ca gas can because she promised Meredith that she'd mow her lawn this afternoon, right? So I mean, this is a specific kind of relation of two, it's got two subjects, right? I mean, uh, um, and it's highly intentional. It pertains to the grounds of her action in some sense. But I'm thinking the form of reason, the, the form of dependence of Martha's action on Meredith's, on the promise to Meredith, on Meredith's, so speak, and Meredith's rights, or whatever you want to call it, right? This is something that is itself sort of logically distinctive that we must grasp. I mean, I tried to write about this in the past with catastrophic results. Well, let's begin again. Um, um, now, um, but I mean, we can also, we already see this peculiar connection in the record of a promise. I mean, um, X promised Y that he'd do A for it as one of the kinds of states of affairs that interest me. This is the ground upon which, so if Martha promised Meredith that she'd mow her lawn, 
let's say, I mean, that's the ground upon which Meredith acts. But already in the, prom in the relation, the, 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 promise, the, the formation of the promise itself, the fact upon, the ground upon which Meredith later acts, which I'm, um, right, we, I think, see the basic, the, we'll see, if we think about it more, I mean, we'll see that this is not just any relation. I mean, notice, I mean, it's got the, uh, what I, uh, um, uh, we've got two subjects, a verb, and then look, this is that thing. There's a that thing there, but there's two subjects. I mean, this isn't the case ideal for me, right? But I mean, it isn't, it isn't, it's a propositional something, but it's not a propositional attitude, right? I mean, um, um, and there's a whole body of such verbs that are, I mean, that will really interest me that I want, um, the ones I've listed here tend to have moral consequences. X married Y will be the one I'm talking about the most. This is not, this is not um, itself mentioned, this is not a proposition, if I say X married Y, there's no proposition that's sort of immediately you know, there's no that clause there, as they say, or whatever. It's, I, don't, I don't marry you that <laughs> he, or whatever. I mean, um, um, but latent in it, the point is that the, it's a feature of these, the phenomena that we'll be interested in, right, is that somehow that the, these are all things that can happen and that you can perceive with the senses very frequently. Many of us have seen, for example, weddings. Um, <clears throat> um, but they seem to contain some element of cognition or volition on one another's side that pertains, in some sense, to the relation itself, right? I mean, um, um, and this, I think, this, I think, is the much deeper phenomenal thing of interest to me. I mean, sorry, I don't really care about the mind that much. I care about life. So, but I'm sorry. But I mean, um, um, in any case, now, sorry, um, sorry, it's a peculiarity of these, right? That they seem to involve knowledge or belief in respect to the thing happening, right, on the part of one or another of the sides, and this is what's going to raise some problems for philosophy. Now, there's two different approaches to this, um, these difficulties. Um, one of them, um, um, which I'll get to in a minute, um, is the characteristic of uh, the great master was Grice, um, but a whole bunch of people, I just mentioned um, Lewis, game, various game theorists on common knowledge and so on and so forth, right? I mean, the, 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 the peculiar, the, the fact that mental states um, um, are involved in, say, Promising is not a problem. We just have the basic, core, crude, really perceptible phenomenon of the promise, like saying, I'll, okay, I'll mow your lawn. That happened, you know, between Meredith and Sylvia. And Sylvia knew or intended various things, and Martha knew and intended various things, and so on. You just build up um, the requisite, you just add the requisite pieces of knowledge and cognition to the brute outward fact, and so forth. And that might get kind of complicated, of course, um, as we'll see. Um, Whereas um, various writers, for example, Hume, Anscombe, and Barwise, I mean, many, I just mentioned them as if having influence on me, think there's a terrible problem. I mean, Hume declares the promise itself to be a fiction, famously. I mean, it's rather strange, but um, we feign an act of mind, because it's like a, it's a riddle how there could be such a thing. In any case, now, um, I will mention the, the, um, something that my heroine Anscombe, that godlike woman, hey, they are ugly, gune, um, I don't know, uh, um, in a paper in the early 60s, I mean, she just made it, she was... Um, she made this, so this is a particular way of looking at the matter. I mean, it's, it's like Hume. Um, that, I mean, this feature of these promising, marrying, exchanging, buying, selling, and so forth, right? That the, the it's a feature of these authors, right? That there's a kind of ungroundedness recognized. There's a logical problem from their point of view that's immediate. I mean, somehow. Um, and so she was saying, I mean, um, it isn't like sliding on ice, to take an example from Manson's intention. I mean, you can slide on ice. Sorry, a leaf can slide on ice or a rock. Before there was human beings, there was lots of ice. Rocks slid on ice. They're sliding on ice, but I can slide on ice. Like, I can slide on ice accidentally, or you know, I, or someone chucked me and I slide on ice. But I can also just do a little bit of sliding on ice, right? And so I mean, or I might, you know, I mean, intentionally in some sense and knowingly, and so on. So you can the thing itself is there, and then you can super add knowledge and intention in respect to the thing that was always already that was already there. Um, 
that was better say the form of sliding on ice was available, <coughs> has always been available, and now once there are mines, they can they can will it and know it, you know, and so on. Right. But this isn't the way it is with marrying and promising. The thing isn't there. The form is not there. There's just, there wasn't promising. There wasn't, as it were, the deed type promise. Or, 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 or marry, right? Um, um, and then people took it into their heads to know that it, they were doing it, um, right? In some sense, I mean, um, 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 people. First, there was first, there was first, there was first, there was you know promising, and then they realized actually we could do this intentionally. Now that I think it's fine. Somebody, you can actually do this on purpose. This is another way it is. It's already built in, right, from the ab initio. It's not so clear with marrying, I should say, but we'll consider, I mean, because marrying can be done, you know, without your knowledge in the old day, and so older systems, like, you know, so, so if it's a contract from the girl, the girl's father and the man or whatever, uh, whatever, then maybe. But I mean, in liberal society, we were speaking of free marriage. This is the only true liberal marriage. The true, true marriage um, must be cognized by the parties and willed by them and so on and so forth. This is a contradiction, Anscombe says. Um, on the face of it, right, because there's a kind of, it's like the, uh, it's like, as she mentions, the, it's like the, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like the bottle with a picture, uh, with a picture of the bottle, uh, with a picture of the bottle and so on and so forth. Terrible problem here. As many authors know, Barwise, you know, has a whole elaborate logical representation of this. Um, I've got it, he thinks, uh, whatever. Um, but in case there's a problem, and she thinks especially of the concept itself. I mean, because in some sense, how do I explain to the child the concept of marrying, right, in some sense? Because, I mean, it looks like in, for it to, I have to teach her how to, I mean, when to bring something under it. But I mean, but I can only, but it looks like some, nothing comes under the concept of marrying except itself by exercising the concept of marrying. So inside the thing I must teach her to find, to bring under the heading of marrying, inside it is that damn same thing, right? So I mean, um, marrying. And so I mean, there's some terrible problems she thought about, about getting out of this. And then, I don't know, she, I mean, basically, then she thinks, uh, only her master Wittgenstein can solve this. And she's probably right, I don't know. Um, indeed, she thought of this. I think this was secretly a response to Grice, I think, by the way. I mean, it's, I'm extremely, I mean, I think it's in fact devastating. Um, but it doesn't matter because I'm not going to take this approach. Um, um, let's now just consider the marriage case. I'm going to, what's the point of it? The feature of the phenomenon I'm interested in is the two sidedness and that the cognition is, 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 is in both sides. This is missing in all the authors. Were, uh, they just consider. A phenomenon that could be like a single person act. I mean, just, I mean, something that you can do by yourself, but which presupposes that you know that you're doing it, just intrinsically, like, I don't know what. <coughs> there aren't that many cases, really. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, or I mean, they're not, they're not so obvious as these. In any case, I'm, we're considering two headed cases, specifically social phenomena. Let us consider for the moment, let us meditate on marriage, liberal marriage, true marriage, free marriage, the marriage must, must, which must be willed and cognized by the parties. Um, um, <coughs> So let, I mean, let's suppose we're, we're, we're present at what seems to be a wedding. The preacher's there, the loved ones are sobbing in the pews, we're all sobbing. And everyone thinks um, that the two are getting married except the bride. Um, this is Anscombe's example. I mean, someone like Aunt Meredith says, um, her old Aunt Meredith says, somehow she's making some sentimental remark about the wonderful life she's going to have with George later after. She says, this is just a rehearsal, dear, darling, meaning it's just the beginning of the great life you're going to have with George together. But the bride is a bit dull and thinks that, uh, and thinks she, that it's, oh, it's the rehearsal, second rehearsal. Sort of like the hobbits have second breakfast, so we can have second rehearsal. She gets it into her head that it's a second rehearsal. Oh, thank God, because she'd actually been planning, let's suppose she'd been planning to actually to exit at a magic moment and take uh, Uncle George's Jaguar to Mexico. But, um, um, but she goes through with it because, after all, it's a second rehearsal. Because, and so, whatever. Look, if that's what happened, if she didn't think she was getting married, it would be a little bit difficult to argue for this, I think, in court. But, I mean, uh, if she didn't think she's getting married, she's not getting married. 
right? I mean, it didn't happen, right? Oh, I thought this was, I mean, I mean, it's no different from doing acting on a stage or the rehearsal. It was a rehearsal on her part in some sense, and this destroys the claim of it to be marriage. If you don't like this example of marrying, and if counterexamples, if we just move on, I have, there are so many such things. That it's like your life is pervaded with them, and you never do anything that doesn't exhibit this, basically. Um, in any case, um, okay, now. Um, um, okay, now. Now's the question. Well, what did she have to, she didn't, there's something she didn't know. What did she have to, I mean, just, and that's what spoiled everything. So there's a, there's a cognition of the bride, as we might say. Uh, I'll, it's helpful, actually, to, in, this, in, the, in the discourse on the first and second person and each other and so on and injustice to gender everything because then, then um, um, it's helpful to gender everything because uh, you can keep track of the prone. Basically for the reason why linguists say we have gender is... It's not this. It's not the he and she thing. It's really just tracking pronouns somehow. I mean, anyway, what? So, in any case, sorry, that was obscure. Okay, um, everything I say is obscure. But if you, if I can just keep you here long enough, twenty hours, let's say, in the Stockholm syndrome, um, um, it'll get very clear. Um, okay, now. Um, so, but now, so what does she need to know? Well, obviously, so we need to know that she's getting married. She has to think she's getting married. She has to know, I mean, in fact, she has to know she's getting married, which is much, much more wonderful if you meditate on it. I mean, the knowing that it's happening is, is a, a, I mean, that entails that it's happening, because it's knowledge. But on the other hand, the thing isn't there unless this is true, I think, all these wonderful things. Uh, any case, blank screen, because I'm skipping. Uh, um, um, uh, well, what is the knowledge she must have? Well, I mean, is this what she has to know? Does Michelle have to know that Michelle is getting married? No, 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 sorry, she does have to know that, right? I mean, otherwise, I mean, sorry, if she's an amnesiac, right? This is a, her, she will lack legal competence, right, in some sense, right? I mean, um, um, does she have to know that this woman is getting married, the one whose hands she sees close by sweating or whatever? I mean, again, presumably, yes. I mean, if she's, uh, for example, in, in a state of extreme sensory, de- only sensory deprivation <laughs> tanks, and which are sort of all, or whatever, I mean, I think this is, uh, this might... That might make difficulties with the, um, with the, for, with the what is this, just a legal term for the, with the constitution, with the, 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 the formation, with the, 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 whatever. It's not, I mean, whatever, that's bad. She's got to know those things, but they aren't enough. They're not the secret, the secret element, what we really, the magic element, the thing we really need, and sometimes the more important thing, the thing that rests atop of those and really puts the icing on the cake and is requisite is that she must know that she herself is getting married, right? I mean, um, um, um. Um, or if you, if you, if you like, she must know that she stars getting married. Or uh, she must know what she would express in language by saying, I'm getting married. But again, we don't care about language. It's all important that we never discuss the pronouns I and you in this discourse, I think. Experience has proven this. Um, she must know that she herself is getting married, first personally, as we say, right? Um, but now, that's actually not going to be quite enough either. Um, um, but let's go now with a, problem, a crucial moment to the other side of the aisle. Um, 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 what does Barack have to know? Um, 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 he has to know. Does he have to know the nominal thing? Barack's getting married. No, that's not enough. This, this man is getting married. No, that's not enough. What he must know is that he himself is getting married. That's obvious. We repeat the same operation on the same side. Okay, now. So the demands we make on both sides are the same. That's, that's clear enough. Um, now, um, um, but now there's a further point which needs to be emphasized, which is kind of obvious, trivial, but... Uh, the more you think about it, the more it's your spiral downward. Young, young philosophers of Britain, don't look into this, you Right, I mean, that, you can't be, she can't be thinking, I'm getting married, or again, uh, Michelle can't be thinking that she herself is getting married without, as it were, uh, the rest of the... Well, for some X, 
I'm getting married to X isn't going to be adequate, I think. I mean, um, right, so, so I, yeah, um, basically the, th the naive thought is they have to know they're getting married. The parties must, the parties who are married, liberal, true marriage, the parties must know they're getting married and intended even, will it? But I mean, they must know, I mean, um, they must know they're marrying each other. And that's, that's the proposition that it cannot be represented in existing systems, I think. Just, if you just met, I'm not going to meditate on it, but I mean, they can't, this cannot be represented. It's like the Geach Kaplan sentence where there's some, I mean, you can't write it up. So, so it's, they must know that they are marrying each other. It looks like it's just about a single the state of knowing that a subject might be in, but I think you can't get it together. We'll see. Um, but in any case, that's what they must know. But now, so let's think, let's, um, um, um. so you might think, well, again, we'll just repeat the same. You know, Barack has to think for sure that he himself is marrying Michelle, right? I mean, if it's, you know, um, 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 that is, um, um, and she must think that she herself is marrying Barack, but that's not so bad. I mean, um, um, that's not, that's not going to be enough. I mean, I mean and, and it's not enough that I think that Michelle thinks that she herself, I am marrying this man given to me here, thusly, Barack, right? I mean, this, this, sorry, this man, she needs that too, like, again, um, <coughs> And then um, Barack must know that he himself is marrying Michelle, and he must know that he himself is marrying the sensuous or somehow given woman uh, um, as well. That the, these things are requisite, but I'm thinking, again, for exactly the same reason, this isn't enough. Um, well, that's not what's decisive. I mean, I think it's a little difficult to give counterexamples um, 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 without complex, you have to go to um, Vegas. Las Vegas uh, wedding palaces where there's hundreds of, people, hundreds of people getting married side by side in immense rooms and then a system of mirrors and, and then, you know, sort of, I mean, this woman is, I'm marrying this woman, you know, sort of, I mean, and uh, whatever, and someone, I mean, um, um, I think you can get all the facts that, I mean, I mean whatever, um, try it, try it, I did it, I've done it before, it's just, it's just extremely boring. Okay, now, um, but notice, I mean, the thought that that was, ad that it's adequate, that, that you know, she herself is married this man. The thought that that's adequate, I mean, that this is her content, this is his content, so to speak, or the Freudian view, what is a secret, a secret, a secret self-representation under, under the heading of she star here, and, and a secret self-representation under the heading of he star here, right? So maybe this is enough that he cognizes this and that she cognizes that, but I mean, then in some sense their thoughts, I mean, are more remote from each other than either is, either, either their thoughts are more remote from each other than the than, than, than either of their thoughts is from the thought of the, of the parties, the wedding parties in the audience who at least have something in common with, there's nothing actually in common between those two thoughts. No thought component is in common, whereas at least the audience shares one with each of them. Um, 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 so that is to say, they're not, so to speak, thinking the same, as you might say. Um, um, now, um, um, their own thoughts have nothing in common with the relational concept marrying, right? Now, um, Let's see, um, now, um, I'm thinking intuitively, this is not enough because we haven't got to the, um, um, so the way to put what we don't have here is um, a further cognition, which we can only represent them as having somehow, I mean, this is a little serious, but I mean, that they're marrying each other, um, which I think um, can't be constituted through a this. Look, my, my objection to the this man and this woman here is, is that it, I mean, it's the same as the objection that we had before. I mean, maybe you could have some system, a marriage system that, where this was an adequate uh, mental element, what the lawyers say, the mental element in marriage, so to speak, <laughs> the crime, uh, um, um, where knowing, it's enough that, that the person, no first person, they're marrying the centrist, the given person. But look, sorry, let me more this point. I mean, I'm um, sorry, this is the way I put it. Um, 
um, in the English, sorry, we always use it in Hollywood, the, uh, the Book of Common Prayer ceremony. I take it, I mean, take it, that's what it's from. I mean, um, how does it go? So, um, do you, Michael, take this woman, Wendy, to be your lawfully wedded wife, and so on, right? So now look, notice that there's a kind of it's, it's extraordinary dance of representation, singular representations, and every one of the ones that I mentioned, um, every one of the ones I mentioned, um, at the outset, the name, a nominal representation, first, first person demonstrative and second person, all representations are employed for, by all parties for all parties in every way, all together. And every, they miss nothing in some sense. It's unbelievable, really. Do you, Michael, uh, so I'm going to affirm this, so I, re I, I receive the you somehow. Michael, I'm Michael, yes. Take this woman, demonstrative, Meredith, th third person, to be your lawfully wedded wife, I, I do. And so and then we repeat it with Meredith. And somehow this, the whole, it's just that everything is joined together, right? And so on and so on. This, but it's one big process. I mean, look, they're just making explicit, I think, in the ceremony, what could be in a, in, a, in a more advanced society, we'll get married, it'll be the same, and the mental element, <laughs> cognition, the mental element, requisite mental element will be the same because it's the truth about marriage. Um, sometimes, um, um, the parties must know that they're getting married to each other. That'll be true. But I mean, they just do it by a kind of strange new dancing on a kind of, a kind of a blue circle, whatever. You just enter it for a while, and then that's the marriage ceremony. They don't say anything. That's so vulgar, really. I mean, and this I, you thing, the thing that they woke up from prayer is awfully legalistic, really. Let's get rid of it, you know. Um, you just marry each other by kind of entering the, you know, entering the... Um, and doing a bit of whatever, I mean, but if it turns out the bride thought it was the rehearsal, which you might need a lot of because it's a rather complicated dance, if the bride finds out it was just the rehearsal, it didn't happen. So, I mean, what does she have to know? Again, the Book of Common Prayer makes explicit, right, in some sense, that there's somehow this mixing and melding of every possible representation of the parties. Um, 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 and they, in some sense, they're making sure that the parties know they're marrying each other, in some sense, or that, that somehow that is expressed in the... the, the, the the, the, the thing itself. Okay, now, um, now let's consider, um, um, now, um, sorry, that's the kind of difficulty I'm interested in. Now, there's a certain, there's a certain range of theories of social phenomena like this um, that are characteristic, this is my kind of problem, that are characteristic of, uh, uh, of uh, our philosophy, our kind of philosophy since the late 50s, since the great Bryce Began, inaugurated this tradition, I mean, for, and I'll consider briefly, um, I think I'll skip some of this, um, Grice's theory of communication, for example, or Scanlon's theory of assurances or promises, which maybe I should focus on that since I discussed the promise, and it's actually closer to what makes me interested in, or again, the doctrine of common knowledge, as it's discussed by the game theorists and so on. Um, 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 now, um, all these theories, the characteristic of these theories is I have a little bit of an issue with these theories. Um, I was talking to uh, the great person, Jim, Jim Pryor, and he was saying, I, was, I kept going on about how well, I have this weak-minded view, this kind of, it's like, you know, kind of, you know, I have this, I somehow, I belong to this tradition that couldn't really have the stacked up mental states. And so somebody was saying, this is ridiculous. So he said I should, I should get over it because it's perfectly sensible what I'm saying. Well, not, or anyway, within the range of respectable or something. It could be, if only I were different. Um, in any case. Um, um, but now, the crucial thing to notice about all these theories is it's crucial that they are stated with free, what are called, what are called free variables. So little letters, you know? Um, so uh, here's Scanlon's principle F. So I had Grice's, oh yeah, Scanlon's principle F. I don't know if you know this, it was in a famous paper, Practices and Promises. Notice, the, again, this is always the same when these theories are around. Scanlon's famous paper, Practices and Promises, or again his book, right, um, states this principle F in the light of his large moral framework, which is not important to us because it's a fancy moral system about when it's wrong, right and wrong to do various things. And the, the doctrine of that paper reaffirmed in the book is that the promise, the formation of the promise and the moral obligation dependent on the promise, he attacks the doctrine of Hume and all of the post-war analytic philosophers that this rests on a convention, 
right, um, and says, no, it doesn't actually. I just have my principle. All it rests on is the truth of this principle, which no one can reasonably reject, right? Um, it, they all said, or Anscombe say, thinks that there must be a practice. Or all, they all said this. All the Royals, sorry, Ross, oh, sorry, what am I Ross Ryle. Uh, Rawls. John Rawls. Um, Rawls said it. Rawls said it. They all said it, um, right? But now uh, Scanlon, I think this is due to a, sorry, there's truth and falsehood in it. I mean, they used to say this kind of thing. There must be a practice, an institution of promising, you know, um, um, and then somehow later on in, this, in, this, in the 80s, they stopped saying it, right? Now, um, I think there's truth in, there's truth in, there's something, the trouble is those people who were saying it, there's kind of a Wittgensteiny background to this sort of thing, which is actually why Grice invented his theory of communication, because he was like the hitman, you know? Sort of like, um, 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 in any case, they're always trying to get rid of this practice thing, or this institution thing, this, 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 or whatever, right? This is a feature of these theories. Um, all this, they're trying to get rid of this Wittgensteinian crap. Um, now, um, and, you know, then they're right, because the problem is the enemy, um, right? They never made any sense of it. It didn't, it didn't work. I mean, sorry, they, they weren't communicating. It had to go, right? Sorry, but you can see that, um, but I mean, that doesn't mean... So it's a, it's a problem. Um, 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 sorry, I'm just, the point I'm making is about this. There was some sort of decay, some sort of mental decay arose, though, in this period where Scanlon is suddenly saying, well, we don't need a practice because, I mean, that's just a bunch of people. Say, what do they say a practice is? Sorry, this word practice is completely, I mean, sorry, just to use it is disgusting. But the, the further thing that was supposed to be requisite to the formation of a promise, according to all the post-war theorists, raw, raw, I keep calling him Ryle Ross, Rawls. That godlike man, um, um, Rawls, but all, the, all of them. Um, the thing, what's the further thing? They'll say a practice, a convention, uh, an institution. There's a whole bunch of words, you know. Um, um, uh, um, that, um, that they have. This these big words that kind of leave you, leave you kind of like wondering. Um, but somehow there, I think there was something there, there was something going on there. In any case, but I mean, basically later on, I mean, actually Hart, I think was the was the real was where the rot set in. I mean, he had a definition of what it was for the real practice, which Rawls accepted in the theory of justice, which is it's when a lot of people are side by side doing the same thing, and they all think that they're supposed to do the same thing. And there were several other conditions, right? But I mean, it all had to do with the when in general you have a whole bunch a herd, you've got a herd with some ideas, and when in general that's the case. Then you've got the practice, and then like the Rawls's principle of fairness says, Rawls's principle of fairness in its later form in the theory of justice says, when you've got that heart thing going, empirically given manifold of idiots with properties, um, when you've got that out there around you, then, then if you've benefited from the fact that this is out there, um, then, and, and you yourself do one of the things they're doing, the herd creatures, um, and then, then you have to do your part, or whatever, right? I mean, uh, and... Um, well, that's obviously bullshit. I mean, as, um, 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 sorry, I mean, I don't know. But there's, a, there's, a, there's a magnificent discussion in Nozick in, where he says, I mean, it's funny, yeah, you can state this, but it just turns out that there are none of our moral obligations are of this form. You know, somehow he goes through, like, that, that everybody on the block is doing it, so I have to, or everybody on the block is doing it, so, and that's good for me, so I have to, or, you know, I'm, or they have a right to my doing it because they're all doing it, or something like this. Anyway, so the point is, look, again, um, Thompson, in her book on the realm of rights, right, she has the same point, the same, about the same time as Scanlon, she says, look, says, well, she puts it, it's perfect, it's so beautiful, it expresses, though, that she's right, and it expresses somehow this intellectual deterioration, which, however, was necessary. Um, she says, promising uh, rests on a practice? I mean, look, it's between you and me. I come to you, I say, I promise, you know, here, I will, yes, I will mow your lawn this afternoon. This is between us. What does it matter? 
what everybody else is doing, she says. And this, this is, that's the end of this. It's amazing. That's the end of the practice theory um, in her view. But I mean, you can see that something has happened. I mean, um, which is that, I mean, basically, the word, words like this are just being viewed as, it's as what we're all sort of called, the, she has the summary view of the practice. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I can defend the practice. Sorry, I will stop with this. Um, give me a head with my, my issue. <laughs> um, um, <coughs> my problem. My, my, we're, now come, we're now coming to my, good, my master argument. Um, uh, um, I heard a lecture recently by Stephen Men on the use of the word sophism in late antiquity and the Middle Ages, in which the sophism was somehow something very exalted. It's like we have only the Platonic use, but only the sophism. You really aspire. The liar was the greatest of the sophisms. Um, so I aspired. I began to aspire to produce spectacular sophism. Um, I leave it to you to decide whether it's sophism in the late antique, and that's in, in the exalted sense or in the Platonic sense of. No good. In any case, so here's Scanlon's famous principle. Now notice, yeah, he's trying to go to a practice and the one, if, you know, in the end, I mean, see, he has a whole bunch of conditions. Notice that there's variables, A, B, throughout. So basically we have, this is going to be, um, um, the conclusion, the output will be that A has to do, basically the output is that A has to do it because he promised, right? This is the phenomenon. He's reducing the promise to something else. And here's the obligation the promise is the output here. A must do X unless B uh, uh, consents to, um, unless B consents, the other one consents to X is not being done. He uses letters. In the exact opposite way, I give it um, difficult. Um, 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 right. Well, okay. This kicks in. The, what we what we ordinarily recognize is the obligation of promises, and what, what actually the obligation that actually kicks in when we do what we think of as promising each other. It kicks in on the on condition that these things obtain. Um, these are the these are the conditions upon which that happens. Right. It's very easy to state them. Right. Now notice, um, you know, so I mean, A intentionally leads B. Martha intentionally leads Meredith to expect that. Martha will bow her long unless Meredith consents to Martha's not doing so, and you know, so on and so forth. But now notice, um, um, this is the obligation. Martha is obliged to Meredith to mow her lawn. Notice that, that, that this, these, are, these are variable letters. X, you know, I mean, just empty letters. Um, um, this is the obligation. But notice that distributed throughout this, these definitions, there's lots of knowings and intendings going on. There's lots of contents. And the same letters are strewn throughout them. This is very important. Um, 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 so I notice I say, um, right, I mean, um, it's crucial for this theory, as for instance, there's nothing about promising in here, right? The only concepts that are employed in the formation of principle F are belong, as we might say, to natural, I don't call it a, natural philosophy of mind, like on the model of natural theology or something. Let's say, um, 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 cause, knows, believes, acts, intends, there are six great categories of philosophy that we could expect even Martians to have. That's all that appears here, um, just folded into, into contents in various sorts of ways. Yet when, when the facts are thus that these categories of thought are you know, distributed in thus and so with a certain content, mow the lawn, for example, then you, know, you have to do it. That's the theory. Okay. But he, it's crucial that you get rid of it because that's how he's evading. He knows, they sense the audience, the circle is coming. Right? In order to get rid of it, because um, um, if, 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 if a word like promise were in there, um, there would be a circle. Now, um, um, sorry, I won't bother with that. Now, let's just make, um, let's get, skip this, sorry. Uh, now, just to get one going, a little worried, I mean, um, notice that this very rather simple looking theory, actually, it's not that simple. Um, 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 the first eight, here are the first, sorry, if we can unpack it, because each of the six conditions refers to the previous one, so here's, um, the first eight conjuncts, it can be unpacked completely, uh, right? I mean, um, so here's the first uh, six, uh, eight conjuncts. Uh, here's the next eight conjuncts of what must obtain. 
when, X, um, when, I'm when I promise you and I'm obliged on the ground of it, this is the next eight conjuncts of, what, of, the, of the state of affairs upon which I'm, the, as it were, it's a conjunctive fact that obliges me. And here's the next eight, and then here's the last eight conjuncts of the state of affairs that I must, must obtain if I am to be obliged to you in the way that we are by promises, according to Scanlon. And you might worry about that, but it's characteristic of the people who held this kind of theory, which is very widespread in philosophy, um, that they don't worry about it. And somehow weak-minded people like myself think, oh my God, I have a, 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 I just don't know if I can know that she intends that I know that she intends to provide me with the insurance that she will do it unless I just, I'm, I'm not, whatever, I'll get to this again. Um, so Bryce's theory of communication, which is different forms and produces the same basic form. Um, um, here I'm using the version of the 50s one, which is immediately self-referential. Um, again, we have the letters, U and A, under an audience. You know, I don't know, I'm just putting it this way. I'm, I want, um, so U means that it communicates with the P in outward noises, the W to A. Um, um, Wittgenstein and these people, right, the idiots would have said, oh, practice, practice, blah, 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 you know. Uh, that's what makes it, that's what makes the noises have the content. Well, it's not, a, no problem. It reduces to this, that U has a certain intention in her mind. Um, in saying it, namely for the other to believe the P. Well, that's not enough, not that you believe, I, I mean, I, I, by putting on a toupee, I, exhibit, I, 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 have, I have the intention that you believe that I have hair, uh, uh, right? Um, um, but I want you to believe it. Um, so um, it's rather complicated. I want, I want her. My will is for her to believe it on the ground that she grasps that. Um, <coughs> um, well, I'm sorry. I'll just say. It. I mean, um, you intend uh, in saying words for the other to believe that P, and moreover for her to believe it on the ground that she sees that. This whole thing obtains in some sense. That was the early version. The later one, then there was a problem. Maybe it's circular. Maybe there's a problem. Well, actually, this is, a, I think, the more sublime view. In any case, it's, it doesn't matter how you formulate it. It still falls to the same devastating, the same devastating sophism um, um, that I will pound. Okay, now, um, um, now we can also I, um, discuss a game. Um, in, in game theory, there's the doctrine of common knowledge, right? I mean, so the basic, the basic setup of a game, right, where you have a certain number of agents, a certain, each of whom faces a certain number of choices, then their combined choices. Um, um, have certain, uh, will have very diverse outcomes, which then the agents evaluate in various sorts of ways. And you can set this up. There's lots of technique. You can use like subscripts and superscripts, K sub, you know, A to the K sub one, I, whatever this is. There's a whole mathematical theory of this. Well, now, obviously, these are, in the first instance, this is a description of states of affairs um, on the basis. So, so facts, facts of the case based on causal features of possible action and the values of the agents. But I mean, and then the, the, the game theorist, uh, assuming the situation is ideal, can output, in some sense, the, 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 as it were, the right, the right system of choices for each of the parties to take, you know, or, or, or a pair of them, or whatever. Some, I mean, um, uh, the one, the, 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 the equilibrium, say, I mean, or whatever. They have, I mean, they're trying to find what's, the, what's, the, what's, what, what's rational for everyone to do. In, what, in, in, what, in, in doing what things are, is each of them maximizing, given what the others are doing, and so on. This is a great problem, whatever, the whole theory of it. Now, but obviously... Their advice to me, say, Thompson, you know, you do A, A12. Oh, you're Agent X12, you do A13. Um, and Agent X47 will do, should do A, um, whatever they can do. But I mean, it's no good if you don't know any of these facts, right? I mean, we're always in infinitely many such overlapping uh, game theoretic states of affairs um, <laughs> where diverse actions of various, like if we all suddenly take into our heads to burn this building down, you know, I don't know, it could be, whatever. Um, the outcome, we have different views of it perhaps. Um, our actual critics um, have weighed in. 
whatever. We're always in infinitely many such games. Um, it's crucial if we are to act somehow, or the judgment that the rational thing for me to do is this, right, rests on it that I know, that I have some idea that I'm in this situation. Um, and also that, you know, that it's rational for you to do it. In your, so now comes the doctrine, the famous doctrine of common knowledge. What we have to super add, if it is to be unreasoning for you not to do, to take strategy Z or K13, again, attend closely to the use, um, is that you know. So what we say is, in order for them, in order for them to use their doctrine, let's put it this way: in order for them to use their doc, their game theoretic teaching as a critique of ordinary action, you moron, you didn't rat in the prisoner's dilemma, <clears throat> you didn't uh, uh, write. I mean, they would say that. I mean, um, right, uh, um, um, right. In order for them to use their doctrine as a critique, they have to suppose that I knew that I was in the game in question that has this particular resolution, right? So they have to add that. Oh, of course, all the parties x one through x ten all know these facts, and moreover that they. They know that they all know these facts and that they all know. And so when there's very way the whole theory, but I was looking at the, the Stanford encyclopedia of like, you know, they use this kind of, it's like a set. It's the union of all the sets of states of affairs in which they all know. So there's, there's as it were, this is a, this is a, this is a set of states of affairs of knowing. There's the basic fact of the game. Then, then there's um, states of affairs of knowing, uh, knowing of it, by, knowing of that by each of them. Then there's the states of affairs of them knowing, each of them knowing that. And then you just take the union Union for K, a less than infinity, of, uh, <clears throat> and that's the common knowledge that's requisite for the applicability of the critique of rationality of agents uh, to obtain. Okay, now, um, 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 let's just skip. So this is the part that Pryor told me was nonsense. I was, I was like, sorry, I was, I was trying to emphasize. Um, what do I say? I do mention my revered teacher, Roger Zalbin, at a certain point here, I think. Um, sorry, it's just characteristic of, um... Ah, yes, sorry. Roger Zalbin. Um, sorry, but I mean, uh, he, what he would consider, there's this, this kind of, some philosophers don't go for this kind of theory, right? They don't like these pile-up of mental states theories, and, other, and then they object, and then the people, other people don't, they just don't know what you're talking about, or you seem self-minded, or I mean, they don't, I don't mean it's psychologically real, whatever, there's various ways in which there's a complete um, capacity to communicate, and, um, so I used to be on this soft-minded, so sort of soft-minded side, as I thought, you know, that just thought, oh. But my revered teacher, Albritton, um, would say, yes, I really just don't. I mean, he called each slab in the, no, like in the definition of common knowledge, right? Each layer is a doxastic, one doxastic pancake after another, just keep piling up. So I know that she knows, and she knows that I know, and I know that she knows that I know. She knows that I know that she knows. All these doxastic pancakes, I, I have a, so this presupposes you know American diner jargon, that I, I have a short stack um, um, and, of pancakes. Um, sorry, so, uh, um, but I mean, actually, this isn't the, actually, I now myself believe, strange as it may seem, that Mary, the agents of Mary must actually, I actually believe it just keeps going. In fact, yes, it's quite right. I mean, it's infinitely, she knows that she knows that she knows that she knows that she's getting married. Um, um, but, it's, but it's like the Kogato. Nobody worries about that. The true account must be the one that lets us do that. So, I mean, the soft-minded attack, I think. Was, so the real problem with those theories is quite different. I mean, there was some justice in it, is that they are based on a logical error, a trivial one. And so this is the attack of the weak against the strong. It's founded on resentment. Um, 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 but we have one of the historical features of the thing was thinking is that the first person to get these theories going, which are all pervasive, you see them everywhere, right, um, is the, the first one to get was Grice. But he was writing in the late 50s. There are two things to be noticed here is that, I mean, Quine had already written lots of things, but I mean, this kind of obsession with quantifiers and propositional attitudes, I don't know, you're young, 
Maybe you don't remember having been forced to read these things, but I mean, um, this obsession, right, I mean, had not yet peaked, right? And the second point is the Gieche Castaneda point had not yet been taken. Grice wrote before those two things. He wrote before those two things, and that's why his doctrine is utterly worthless. There is nothing in it. He didn't see the elementary points that must be seen. But nevertheless, somehow it had this strange power and grip so that, I mean, once people saw it, they just invented theory after theory after theory like it, even though the cognition requisite to seeing the error had already built up, but it was too late. Once a steam engine gets going, you know, um, 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 you, know you can't stop it. This is my historical account. It doesn't matter. This is, this is, uh, this is commentary. Um, um, but I think um, it's very simple. It has to do with the use of variables, as I was saying. Oh, so now, uh, so let's, um, so, sorry, this, I'm taking too long, but I don't know. I'll, I'll keep going. I'll just get to the point where you start seeing. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's now, let's now pull the, the oldest trick in the book. Um, this isn't strictly requisite. The oldest trick in the book, the secret identity. Um, um, the secret identity in, uh, in moral um, um, Whenever we're talking about intentional states and mental states and uh, what are belief states, I mean, you do the old, I mean, Hesperus and Phosphorus, let's throw that one at you, right? So I'm going to do Hesperus and Phosphorus with promising and, and stuff like things. In any case, let's suppose, um, <laughs> so we place ourselves, let's get some secret identities. We place ourselves in the dark days of the Depression. Clark Kent and Lois Lane, a reporter of the Daily Planet. A metropolis newspaper. Mr. Kentis, this is my favorite paragraph that I've ever written, so I can't help reading. Uh, Mr. Kentis, I studied actually the history of Superman. Uh, um, this is a third, this is kind of 30s in physical Superman here. Um, Mr. Kentis, Superman, a heroic figure whose deeds are a frequent topic of their recording. He's all over reporting. He's all over town. But this fact, his, this identity, is not known to anyone but himself. Uh, he knows that he's Superman. Um, his inevitable scoops, though, I mean, he always knows ahead of her. Uh, his inevitable scoops in connection with the developing Superman story frequently sting Miss Lane's journalistic vanity. But wrongly, the Daily Planet is just a day job for her, too. Um, she's, in fact, Ripper's Alboots, the anarchist poet and pamphleteer, a writer of great power. Her work's well-known wherever the black flag waves, though, this, again, this identity is secret to all but a few trusted friends, most of them now fighting in Spain. Okay, now, okay, that's our two secret identities for each of our parties, right? Um, now, one day, let's suppose, Alboots, also known as Lois, right, whatever, her, X, it doesn't matter. When you promise it, um, a, a promising, what's that? A promise of... Uh, Sorry, the promisee under any name has, is just as bound, uh, right? I mean, and the I mean, that is, I mean, uh, and the promisor under any, sorry, the promisor under any and under any name is just as bound, and the promisee under any name is just as has just as good a claim, right? Sorry, I mean, it's a relation between the individuals as such and not the representation. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll say. Now, one day, let's suppose so. Albert and Albert asks, sorry. <laughs> Uh, where the paper clips are, let's suppose. And then her colleague, Superman, Clark Kent, I mean, says, oh, yeah, they're in the third drawer. That's a case of testimony. That's a case of the kind of phenomenon Grice was trying to capture, right? Um, and an hour later, let's suppose, Allboots, um, who's secretly in love with Clark, as uh, she thinks, um, he's so something. Um, so I'll let Al Lois Allboots, feigning receipt of tickets from a sick friend, in fact, a syndicalist tenor, um, proposes a date of the Metropolis Opera, and Superman or Clark irritably agrees. Okay, okay, I'll meet you out in the front of the quarter at eight, let's suppose. Now, we'll just go through the Scanlon um, instantiation. <laughs> and you'll see, this isn't a devastating objection because philosophers have various views about proper names. This is what's represented here. But I mean, you can see, I think what you need to see immediately is that this is what Scanlon, um, sorry, I mean, this is the natural way of filling in the blanks. The one guy, uh, Superman, sorry, I would say that in that case, right, so, so he did promise to meet her at the opera, didn't he? I said he, her. It doesn't matter. That is to say, Clark promised Lois to meet, he'd meet her at the opera, right? Or again, 
Superman promised Lois that he'd meet her at the opera. That, those are all true. It doesn't matter what you call it. For some X and for some Y, X promised Y that he'd meet her at the opera. It doesn't matter how you say it. I mean, the subjects, right? I mean, but I mean, um, but if that's to be true, and if, 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 I mean, someone's, I mean, um, then this has to be true as well. Um, if Superman did, I mean, if you just fill in the blanks and you just go through, fill in the blanks in Scanlon's definition and you get this, which is the completest imaginable bullshit. Um, um, and it keeps going. The bullshit keeps going. So, I mean, one of the things that must obtain if Ripper's, um, if Superman has promised Ripper's to be the leader of the opera, if, the, if he is bound, if he is under a moral obligation through his words to meet Ripper's, uh, so, um, so, to, 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 to show up at the opera on account of this other. If, and one of the things that has to be true is that, is that Lois, uh, uh, that is Ripper's, knows that Superman knows. She has to know something about the cognition of Superman, whom she, um, as she thinks, has never met. Um, she knows that Superman knows that Ripper's all boots, whom she has no reason to think Superman has ever heard of, the anarchist poet, um, um, knows. <laughs> so, as a poet, she has, to, she has to know that Superman knows that. She has to know that the superhero knows, the uh, obscure poet knows, that the superhero intends to provide the anarchist poet, the assurance, sorry, this is really, I'm, I'm sorry, with the assurance that uh, the superhero will show up at the opera unless the poet um, agrees, um, consents to, to the superheroes not showing up. Okay, that's what's entailed if you just fill in the blanks. Now, now, there's a million things you can say. You can say, oh my God, what are the proper names? Um, substitute. Blah, blah, blah. There's a million ways you can go. There's so much philosophy of language out there. Well, the hell with your philosophy of language. It doesn't really matter. Um, um, the thing is, they didn't think about this. This is, what, this is the way you read it. Just try it at home. This is what you do. Read Grice. Fill in the blanks. U and A. You didn't watch. It makes no sense, right? Fill in Rippers and, and, and Superman, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, right? I mean, you just get this garbage. Now, there's various theories that might be able to take account of this. It's okay, because actually the proper name has a sacred quality and so on. They're probably all right. I actually, I believe about proper names, I actually hold that view. The problem is the cognition of the parties to promise has nothing to do with proper names. They have to know that they're promising each other. Um, right? I mean, that's what's necessary. Um, not something about rippers, all boots, and so on and so forth. I mean, what's missing here, sorry, is not... Sorry, so this isn't, sorry, sorry, I have two points. The sub point, this, there's, so there's a local point, which is about the philosophy in general, and, and then the real point, which of course, I would need the 20 hours in the Stockholm Syndrome. Um, um, Superman, um, is that this is the truth. You just try it, right? You'll see every one of these theories, when you just apply it to the case at hand, has, looks like this. They just, you don't notice it because they just use the variables. So there's all the Nobel Prizes to those common knowledge people, you know? It's a lie. They didn't fill in the blanks. Sorry, listen, it's not a lie. They just forgot. They forgot. It looks so technical, but they, they forgot to fill in the blanks. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you do it, you get this, my friends. And, and now maybe you can make sense of this because you've got a fancy theory. But I mean, the thing is, you have to make sense of it, right, on the face of it. And they didn't. The entire prestige of this whole tradition Right, it's founded on a refusal to fill in the blanks, right? And it's founded on it's founded on a failure to grasp the elementary points made by Quine, and Gage and Castaneda, uh, um, and so forth. I mean, they just didn't notice, and you don't notice it because of the blindness generated by the free variable. The point is the variables x and so what is it in Scanlon? A and B. <laughs> Sorry, I always use x and y for the agents because they're equal. Um, <laughs> um, um, and, and then I use A, B, C, D for the actions because I follow Anscombe and we begin with the A, D order. A, for the sake of B, B, I'm sorry, sorry. 
So I thought the matter was decided, but in any case, um, sorry, Stanley uses A, B, and, 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 and Bryce uses U and A, right? I mean, U and letters, U and A, and the game theoreticians use X1 through Xn and so on, um, and so on and so forth. They didn't notice they're using the variables inside and outside the propositional attitudes, right? I mean, this is a kind of ABC, so maybe it's okay. But I mean, it's like an ABC, it's ABCs of post-1960 philosophy that we're in a dangerous territory, so here. They, but they don't, they just didn't notice. It made no impression because the steamroller got going, right? I mean, there was one theory, when I finally found, when I found this amazing sophism, um, 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 there was one, th I, I started looking through, looking for people, people like, well, when it came to me, that we must fill in the blanks. I thought, well, you know, what about Scanlon? So I went and got, I was with a friend of mine, so I went and got the book, it was in the next room. And we just filled it in, and you've got this comical effect, you know, and then, like, whoa, oh, what about Grice? You know, you know, and so on. I was having this, all this fun, but then, um, I, well, I didn't have to hand, but um, sometime later, it could be, wait a minute, what was that paper by Bratman? I can unfortunately not have a copy of it. Um, um, what was that paper by Bratman that almost killed me in 1992? Um, it's like, on, what is it to do something together, joint collective agency. I think it's a fairly well-known paper. You know, and, and this paper you know, begins with, well, obviously, what is it, you know, carry the piano upstairs together. Well, it's for each of us to do his part. Well, that's not enough, obviously. They have to, you know, I mean, maybe it's an accident, you know, that uh, we're both, I'm doing this and you're doing that, you know. So, I mean, it's, it must be that uh, I'm doing it because we intend and I do, and then, well, that's not enough either, actually. And so the paper just keeps going. It's characteristic in fill review. You know, it's the kind of place you expect a sort of reputable reasoning. Um, so by the end of the paper, it's about 20 conditions long with these kind of indented subconditions. I mean, it's really, I, I should display it, but I mean, it's very complex and somehow you, various parts are sort of indented like a programming language or something, you know, it's kind of a, um, and his, um, but his, his, his teaching is entirely resistant to my sophism. I, I, there is nothing, I can't object to it. I can't get my argument going with Bratman and uh, sorry, somehow this is the deep, that, that experience is the one that most disturbs me. I mean, it's so wonderful and eerie that I can't comprehend, I can't really comprehend what's going on. The problem is the entire paper is stated in the first and second person. What is it for, we have a recognizable concept of joint collective agency. What is it for you and me to do something together? For example, carry the piano upstairs, right? And so the whole paper, every, all the sort of, all the, pair, all the sort of, Discussion is an I and you, and then the, the, as it were, the analyses of doing things together, which grow increasingly complicated given the counterexamples, are themselves all the way through I and you. So I must be doing my part and you your part because we intend, and I know that you, I know that you intend, and you know that I intend, and I know that you intend, and you know that I intend, and so forth. My, I mean, I can't get my damned. There's no variables. He just uses I and you, and it's kind of exactly right in a certain sort of way. And he thinks that he's doing this kind of literary style where you know you just like. Why use X and Y? It's a bit like the moral philosophy style that they used to have. Martha is an international finance banker. You make it cozy. But Martha is an international finance banker. Who cares about Venice? Um, um, um. So there's also, and we do it all the time, I mean, you sort of I and you the philosophy to, generalize, to make a general statement about many. So, for example, if I cut off your foot, that would be wrong. I might say, oh, sorry, that's disgusting. But, um, sorry. So if I, whatever, that, I mean, I might say, speaking generally about, you know, maim being one of the forms of injustice. Oh, that's my real meaning, right? Um, um, okay, now, um, oh, yes, he resists it. But the thing is, it's in the first and second person. So, I mean, look, the Phil Review got this paper. I mean, why did they publish it? Why didn't they say, Bratman, did we just get a letter that you, did we just miss, uh, I mean, were you sending this to your wife? 
Was this letter to your wife about tearing the piano upstairs or something? So my, who are you talking to? He said, you, are you talking to us? I mean, is this advice to us, Rabin? Um, I mean, he thinks he's being literary, but I'm sorry, that's a possible response, right? Now, if, um, um, the thing is, if that were the case, then there actually there wouldn't be, if it were a letter to, well, I'm not sure. Anyway, the point is, um, there's, there's two ways here, really. He can, he can as he in fact does, right? He was writing X. Sorry, let's know, whenever he writes I and you, you just replace it with uh, lowercase I and a lowercase U. So speak, I mean, so to speak, letters, make them not, uh, so to speak. If you put it that way, then then that affects the analyses. So I, you know, is doing his part, and you, letter U, is doing his part, just in case uh, I, and I so, intends that you, whatever, and so on and so forth. Then it's false to the Superman. Then it falls to the sophism. Or else you leave it in the I and you, which is um, the thing. But the problem with that is that we are unfamiliar with a kind of philosophy that is in the first and second person. I mean, or, I mean, Descartes. We say we love we love to affirm the magnificence of Descartes. The cogito, right, is, a, is an argument we say which must be appropriated by the, the the reader in the first person. He invented a kind of first person. Bratman has invented. Sorry, we say that somehow it's a it, in order to grasp the cogito, you've got to do it yourself, right? I mean, with the eye. So also, Bratman has invented. Shall he say this? I have invented the philosophy, a philosophy that must be apprehended by the pair themselves together. My argument must be appropriated by each pair in their own person together. My paper is to be read by, it says, where it speaks to the generic, to the, to the world spirit, really. Um, um, when, it, when it meets with itself in, in, a, in a pair or whatever, then they, 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 they can, as it were, appropriate my teaching on the I and you with each other. That, makes, that would make sense, actually, and the validity of his doctrine rest, rests on that. In fact, the thing is, that's a little closer to the truth than, than uh, anything. Sorry, I think I, um, I could go on. <laughs> what? A, oh, oh, the common common knowledge. Oh my God, the common knowledge in the game. Sorry, common knowledge in the insane asylum. But I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, I think you'll get the you get, you get the idea of how I'm going to object to these people. Uh, so pose your problems. So pose your difficulties. Oh, is, I, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, out of time. I take it. Five minutes. Oh, I have five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. First of all, I'm just like mockering. Let's just try that. I sort of I, I don't know why I love the common knowledge one because I just hate game theorists. When I was in the, when I was at the Hebrew University, uh, I ate lunch every day with one of the leading common knowledge, Alman, who goes now by some. He's from New Jersey, but now he goes by some exotic Hebrew name. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. So my hatred. He's he's also a kind of uh, you know. Let's forget about that. Um, uh, so I'll start. Over. So it's what you have special. So I mean, you know, the game is X one through X ten have these choices on it. So let's suppose we're in an insane asylum, and I'm dealing with a bunch of a. Uh, uh, a, a sort of, I'm, we're having an insane asylum. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the master of the insane asylum, um, and it's a bunch of uh, ex-game theorists, sort of like you know, uh, uh, who've gone mad, like Nash, I suppose. Except um, um, maybe they have, a bit more, they have a bit more going than he did. Um, um, so, and I give them, I give them. The fact is, I just give them secret names because I'm the doctor. You know, X patient zero, or X one, X two, X three, X four. Right, so um, so um, I just call it, that's my secret names for them now. I'm, and they don't know which is their names. They know that I do this. They've seen me writing the X's. Um, now I happen to know that X one through X ten, who are amongst my hundred patients, X ninety nine, X hundred. Um, I happen to know that X one through X ten are in a ten dimensional game, which has a has a solution, a, a, an equilibrium. Right. Um, 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 let's call it, it's a form of the, it's an instance, what well, they're instantiating the celebrated lunatic's dilemma, um, discovered by someone, uh, whatever, in 63. All right, so I mean, I've got the specific game, and the, what you should do in lunatic's dilemma is, you know, rat, or whatever, must a mom, or whatever, I don't know, whatever. So I, it's a fact. They're in this, you know, they're in this, they're in this, these are the possibilities for them, but they don't know it, right? I mean, so I assemble all of my patients, including those 10, right? They all trust me rightly. I'm their doctor. 
um, um, after all. I mean, um, rightly, let's suppose. Um, um, and, but no one knows who they, which, which of these X1 through X10s they are. Well, let's suppose I then read the game theoretic description of the facts about them, right? I mean, um, um, which as merely mildly disturbed imitators of Nash, they all comprehend, as most of us wouldn't. Um, they say, you know, I said, I just described the facts, blah, blah, X is thus to Y, X1 is thus to X2, and X3, and then they have to take X1's preferences are thus, therefore, or maximum, whatever. It's something, a long sentence about X1 through X10. I just say, blah, blah. So I say that. So now my patients, who are really good at this kind of thing, say, they all know, all of them, even X99 knows that X1 is thus to X2, is thus to X3, is thus to X4, right? I mean, they, they, they all know. So X1 knows that X1 is thus to, of course, um, none of them know who these people are, but um, they know that there aren't just people and they're in the room. Um, they all know. I say it to them all, so they all know it. And so, in particular, since they're present, X1 through X10 know that X, uh, that X1 through X10 are thus related. So I tell them what I just told you, you know, having, a having this new fact having come upon them, I tell them what I just told you, um, namely that X1 through X10 know that blah, 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 X1 through, they know that X1, X1 through X10 know. Moreover, I say, X1 through X10 are aware that they're in a lunatic's dilemma um, in, in which X1 thus, X2 thus, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I say that, and so now, of course, all my patients, even X99, know this, and, but then so does X1 through X10. They know that. So, I mean, we can keep piling up, right? I mean, I can keep going. And so, so, and so I say my next statement is X1 through X10 are aware that X1 through X10 are aware. I mean, like the rest of you, really. Um, even you, X99, I'm not, going, I'm not going to address you personally. Uh, um, um, they know that, and so I can go again. So having, having, now comes a new layer, a new step in the doxastic pancake. X1 through X10 know, and so on and so forth, and we can keep going. So now all my patients know that X1 through X10 know, 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 that X1 through X10 are thus and so related and have this maximizing, and this is the maximizing thing for each of them. This is the vector of, the vector <laughs> The vector of, 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 of actual, choice, vector of choices that is ideal, and in which each of them maximizes in some sense, right? They all know that, and so you can keep going forever. And it's quite clear, right? That this, this is how you stack up in the you, the common knowledge, right? In the, in the Nobel Prize-winning papers, um, this is how you stack it up. The truth is that no amount of this cognition, even the infinite sum, brings our agents any closer to having any reason to do anything at all. They can know the entire infinite tower of Lewis cognitions, they can have common knowledge, if only their brains were big enough, and it wouldn't tell anyone of them what to do, because all they know is that X1 through X10 are thus and so, um, they don't have, they don't have, they have not appropriated it in the first person, as we might say, I mean, they have not, I mean, um, I mean, some, the phone is, look, common knowledge, Whatever the hell it is, I mean, um, sorry, that's another word for what is required by marriage, right? I mean, um, um, I, uh, to use the word common knowledge entails that you're, that you're talking like this, right? but I mean, it's still, it is required. But I mean, the common knowledge of the parties, we would say the parties to the marriage must have common, the parties to a wedding must have common knowledge that they're engaged in. That's fine. That's okay. That's in fact what I'm talking about, I guess, sort of. I mean, that, that bit. Um, this must be first personal for each of them, and so on. And more, and, but I mean, this doesn't tell... This is not first personal for any of them. It's completely third personal, and everyone in the room has it, the same as they have it. Um, and I, I mean, and I give it to them, and it doesn't help them at all because they don't know who X1 through X10 are, right? I mean, and it isn't going to help if, if one of them finds out, and, and so I'm about to go through everything again. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, um, anyway, sorry. Um, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, uh. Again, the whole thing is that, uh, sorry, I'll stop.
I think I will stop. When do you say I have to stop now? Do you come in with a, like a gun or something to threaten me? Um, 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 I could, um, sorry, I could, sorry, I was going to end. Um, well, I'll stop. I will stop. <laughs> Thank you.